Welcome, Right at the Fork listeners. We're glad you're here, and we are here to introduce a new Portland-based imbibing podcast called The Joy of Drinking with Joy Church. It's a mouthful there, Chris, a Portland-based imbibing podcast. Yeah, well, I don't think we're going we're gonna to actually stick with that, but oh. I, in order to describe what people are about to hear, yeah. and those folks who are used to hearing your voice right sure. up front um, with Right at the Fork... What we're doing is we're just, uh, we, we believe in what Joy is doing, and we think that our listeners would be interested in hearing the Joy of Drinking podcast, yeah. which will encompass the world of Portland cocktails, wine, beer, cannabis, all those good things, all those nice vices yeah. that people have. Um, and Joy covers them in a really nice way. So this first episode, why don't we let Joy introduce it? Mm -hmm. We mentioned it last Thursday who who her guests were going to be on the first episode, but let's let Joy do her thing, and uh, certainly we invite you, as we do with Right at the Fork, to start rating the podcast, make some comments, and share it with your friends. Welcome to the Joy of Drinking. My name is Joy Church and I'm your host. This is our inaugural episode and it features two parts. The first is with powerhouse Karen Locke of High Proof Creative and the second is with Smith tea maker Ravi Crozen and chef Carl Hall of Spatzel and Speck where they discuss their collaborative dinner series called Tea Drunk. I want to give a special thanks to Chris and Court of Right at the Fork for hosting me under their umbrella. I'm really excited to be a part of Right at the Forks family, and I appreciate this opportunity. Anyway, listeners, take a listen and send feedback my way. I'm excited to have you here the first show and look forward to hearing your thoughts. Enjoy. Hi, everyone. This is Joy Church with The Joy of Drinking, and I'm here today with Karen Locke, the author of High Proof PDX and the owner, uh, badass business lady, owner of <laughs> High Proof Creative. Hi, Karen. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so we are both from the Midwest, um, and I've been into, I've been on the West Coast for a long time. How long have you been around? I moved here in 2011, and that's kind of when I started basically right away into food and drink, whether it be working in restaurants or writing about food and drink. And when you were in the Midwest, did you do any bartending? What were you up to there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I mentioned this in my book. My book is about distilling in Portland, but I kind of mentioned my background, and it's it's in the, in the intro um, kind of about how I got into bartending was, um, you know, working in restaurants, working in one in particular where the bartender stopped showing up. And so... <laughs> That'll do it. And it was a very bad menu, um, you know, with ingredients like blue curacao and some of these ingredients that I think now are coming back ironically, but then, you know, I hated it because, <laughs> you know, they were horrible ingredients back then and they weren't being used ironically. And so kind of came up um, from that kind of bartending style and then, you know, um, got out of bartending pretty much as soon as I moved to Minneapolis or moved to Portland. Oh, okay. Yeah. No more yeah. for you. No more. You weren't applying for any bartending gigs at that point. No. Point. And well, and by that time too, by the time I moved here, I, I feel like the, the bartending scene had kind of taken off, right? And there yeah. was, you know... And it become a more serious thing, right? Serious thing, being right? Being a mixologist, yeah. right? I say I'm saying that in air quotes, right? Yeah. But it was that trend probably at that point, right? Where it wasn't just kind of like beer, cider, wine, right? It was... And it hadn't hit. It hadn't really hit in Minneapolis yet, so I could get away with being a bad bartender. <laughs> <laughs> and were you a bad bartender? 
I think so, yeah. <laughs> and how do you qualify that? <laughs> yeah, I think we, we I think we've discussed this before, but just I was kind of, you know, impatient and I think the style in the Midwest too is to be super fast. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I'd get nervous because I wasn't fast enough and well, right. You were by yourself, right? Yeah, bartending. Yeah. So you've got a crowd of people and tables waiting for food and right. So you're just making blue cocktails, <laughs> <laughs> just making whatever. Yeah. And so did you continue to, to use the old cocktail menu there? Or did you develop your own or what happened? Yeah, I started, you know, kind of developing my, my own, um, and got in trouble for it, but they were, oh. in my opinion, way better. Used oh, okay. some more updated ingredients, you know, more on trend than off trend. I hope. And why were why did they um, give you a hard, a hard time about it? I think they were, I think they were just old school, and they you know they hadn't okay. changed their menu in twenty years, so. Right. Yeah. You're like, you're lucky I'm here at all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. That's really, yeah. Sorry. That didn't go so well for you. I did some bartending myself, but it was again, really before like true craft cocktails mm-hmm. before that was a thing. Um, I don't have an incredible memory. So <laughs> if I had to do co- baked cocktails now all the time, I think I'd be in trouble. Yeah. So I guess I got myself out of a job now. If I, I don't want to apply anywhere, anyone that's listening to this will not hire me. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I am. We were, we're screwed. <laughs> so here in Portland, um, do you have, what are some of your favorite drinks? What are some of your go-to places? I know oh, you yeah. like a good dark bar. Yes, um, yes. And I know listeners are going to want to hear from you to find out where they should be drinking in Portland. For sure. Yeah, I do love a good dark bar. Um, my office is downtown, so I love Kelly's Olympian, um, Yam Hill Pub. Some people call it Yammies. Uh, just kind of dark, smelly, you know, maybe the ceiling's dripping on you a bit. And then scooters, we recently, we, you we and went. I went to scooters um, yes. and had jello shots, which... Just a little um, disclaimer <laughs> here. So Karen and I tried to record this a week or so ago and we had a little trouble thanks to me learning the system and I was kind of drunk um, <laughs> and so we walked from Karen's office over to scooters and I had never been so Karen introduced me to this yes very dark possibly wet and drippy bar mm-hmm. which is great perfect 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 <laughs> and Karen suggested that we start with some jello shots yes to kick that portion of the evening off and um yeah we did that bright blue and red or something mine yeah it was like almost brown <laughs> a little terrifying but yeah jello jello shots are interesting to me uh coming from the midwest is i think a lot of people would assume that maybe that's what you know that's why i love them here is because i you know would order them in the midwest but i don't really remember them in minneapolis is i moved here and kind of started seeing them at these dive bars and kind of you know would you know you order them as a joke or whatever but yeah. then you kind of they kind of enjoy it. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Sadly. Yeah, jello shots are an interesting thing. I do remember ordering them um, when I lived in Kansas City, Missouri for a while. Okay. And we ordered them then. And I remember them being easier to eat out of those stupid little plastic cups. Oh, yeah. This time I was like, Karen, how do I eat this thing? <laughs> you had to remind you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Karen had to give me a training. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm still having a hard time, but I'm going to do my best. Yeah. But the one I had was blue. And I think it's, you know, we were like, what is this? It's right. like, well, it's blue gelatin and cheap vodka, right? I mean, right. that's all it is. And they, yeah, and they all kind of taste the same, really, at the end of the day. They're not very <laughs> flavorful. They usually put a little bit too much vodka in them. Um, yeah, but, but bars serve them probably, right, because you can make them ahead. Yeah. And you can charge a lot for them. 
I mean, I've seen some more upscale-ish bars here locally in the last year or so putting jello shots on their menu for like two dollars or more three yeah. i think well and they're very good though i mean they okay. I'll, I'll say they're worth it um one example is interurban on uh, mm -hmm. north mississippi they okay. have one it's actually in a glass with a little spoon so you well, can fancy. eat you know you, can eat it. Okay. you don't have to eat it like a monster you can uh, you know <laughs> Uh, right, it's an elegant yeah. jello shot. Okay. Well, and then you, you see places like Cracker Jacks in Northwest, mm -hmm. and they there is a woman. I, I wrote it down so I didn't forget. Oh yeah, Hello Jello shots, mm -hmm. and she does very very fancy jello shots. Um, but they're kind of funny, right? They're quirky, and so some of them have Cheetos on top and Pop Rocks and what I've been missing yeah, out. Yeah, really, uh, you know, odd flavor combinations that work really well together, and uh -huh. then. There's a oh, huge menu up on the wall with illustrations. If you go to Cracker, okay, we have to go to Cracker Jacks. We've got to go. I haven't been in years. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she, I think she was an uh, an old bartender, or mm -hmm. she had previously bartended there, and then opened a Jello cart, and then they brought in all of her Jello shots to the bar. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I had so no idea. Okay, so and now, be, is it the Cheetos on top that make them taste good, or are they using something else besides the cheapest vodka? Oh, I think that's, I think it's higher end stuff for sure. Okay. And then, you know, there's a higher price point. I think they're, you uh -huh. know, they they definitely move out of the one to $2 jello shot uh, range. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because but, those little jello shots, your yeah. typical standard ones, you're paying a dollar or something. Yeah. And I really think it's what, only like a quarter, quarter of an ounce or something. Yeah. Uh, in each one. In, right. I mean, of vodka. So, right. I mean, the, the margins are <laughs> awesome. I can yeah. understand again why a bar would have them on the menu. For sure. But, you know, you put craft in front of every craft jello shots. And I'm yeah. like, ooh, I'm in. I'm interested. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's funny, too, because I, today I was thinking, you know, some of these old school places that have always had them, you know, mm -hmm. along with Kino and Kitty Glitter and Lotto and, you know, you know that, you know, the kind of place. Um, I assume, you know, they've just always had them. But with, you know, supply and demand, so to speak, people have been ordering them. And so they just keep making them. Yeah. Whereas then there's, you know, the places, the new school places who've, you know, maybe been open under five years and they're doing these fancy jello shots as well. So, yeah. They're just putting yeah. them on because it's the trend now versus like, oh, we've had them for decades. Right. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I can't wait to try the ones at Cracker Jacks. That is, I know. I had no idea. Again, the craft, craft jello shots. I'm like, oh, my eyes are, ooh. I know. <laughs> like, I'm excited actually, which is <laughs> just embarrassing. Yeah. But true about me. Anyway, so. Um, we've got the Jello Shot talk, and we're going to talk about other dark bars that Karen really likes. Oh yeah, I want to get a list going. So um, I'm hoping. Oh, I think she's taking notes. You Karen know, did homework. I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> so where do you like to go? Where could we probably find you? Oh yeah. On a so, cold night in Portland. <laughs> yeah. So I I do live in North Portland, and so uh, you know I think it's 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 pretty easy to find some dark bars in North Portland. Um, George's is right on the on the yellow max line. It's a good one. Uh, <laughs> Happy House is uh, oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. this Happy House. Okay. It's, well, one side of it's a Chinese restaurant, the other side's a bar, and they play Blazers mm -hmm. games. Bathroom smell horrible. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> but hey, that's part of the, the part charm. Of, yeah, um, again in air quotes. <laughs> and these places all have Jello shots. Okay. So and you know maybe. <laughs> They usually have Jello shots. Yeah. Don't mark my words because you know you go in and then they won't have Karen them. Karen said, <laughs> "Yeah, uh, Donnie Vegas also uh -huh. Jello shots. Star Bar has Jello Jello shots." <laughs> I was like, "Try to remember all of the places you've had them." Um, but yeah, and one of my new favorite spots is uh, Tulip Tavern, uh -huh. uh, North Collingsworth. It's a Rum Club alum. 
-hmm. And they have a really, they have gel. Ooh, they had a pudding shot. A pudding shot? Last time I was there, yes. And was that like vanilla chocolate? It Tell us more about that, Karen. Pumpkin. Pumpkin oh. flavor. It was right before Halloween, pumpkin flavored. Okay. Um, you know, graham cracker and whip. like they were, it was, it was fancy. I think it was around $3. Okay. So, yeah. Fancy price point anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But that one might be worthwhile if they still have it. Yeah. Doing a seasonal yeah. pumpkin shot. And was it otherwise the same, but it was pudding versus jello? Yeah. Or, I mean the same kind of size and. Oh yeah. Same idea. Same you know? idea. And, the, and there are okay. some spots in North Portland I know doing pudding shots. Uh, why do I know so much? About <laughs> I don't know. I, and why do I not? This is the big question. It's like, I want to know. I think trying to live this, through you, Karen. <laughs> I know. I think it's this, just this, you know, idea of spending so much time in food and drink and things when, you know, cities, food and drink becomes elevated and then you want the best, the best tasting things and high class things. And then I think you just kind of eventually revert back to, you know, bottom barrel uh, <laughs> snacks, bottom barrel alcohol, just because, yeah. you know, yeah. just to like, Get out of that, you know. Well, right. There's yeah. the low brow, high brow thing, right. right? I mean, I think it's the same with food, right? Where you mm -hmm. have really beautiful tasting menus and wonderful, wonderful 16 course right. menus, right? But sometimes you're just like, you know what? A box of mac and cheese sounds great right now. Yeah, same. <laughs> you know, yeah, same, idea. same thing. Like, yeah. oh, the comfort of the Jello shot and a beer or, or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. That seems kind of. I think that's appropriate. And you and I talked a little bit before, but I'd love for viewers or viewers, listeners, uh -huh, to um, hear what you like in terms of seasonal cocktails. So it's, you know, finally become, we're getting into winter now. And um, you had talked about a couple of favorites, I think, when we spoke about this before, maybe the hot toddy, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love a good hot toddy. Very and, good hot toddy. And where do you find one other than your own house? Well, it's so similar, like, uh, in, in this, in a similar fashion to jello shots, I feel, um, hot toddies are pretty, are pretty much a staple in dive bars as well. Um, you know, usually it's just whiskey, hot water, honey, and lemon. But one thing that I learned is that a lot of them either don't have hot water or they don't want to turn on the hot water, <laughs> or they have hot water, they don't have honey. So I've kind of even gone, you know, if it's a dive bar and I'm freezing and I want a whiskey drink, I'll do whiskey, hot water, and lemon. Mm -hmm. And then they don't have to mess around with this, the honey and get, you know, kind of bitter and angry at me for ordering a hot toddy in a Dang dive bar. It. Okay, yeah. honey. Yeah, I would How dare say you ask for honey. <laughs> one one advice, though, definitely at a at a busy bar like Kelly's, you know, that's a kind of a you know, dive bar downtown on uh, Southwest Washington. Uh, Dive bar, they'll have all the ingredients for a toddy, but don't order one during happy hour. That will make them, you know, oh. pretty unhappy as bartenders. So, okay. one thing to know with those. Because it's just too much work, right? Is what, yeah, is kinda, the reason. Yeah. They have yeah. to just kind of stop what they're doing. They're just kind yeah. of pouring multiple beverages, opening yeah. beers, that sure. kind of stuff, right? Which and so is, the hot yeah. toddy becomes an annoyance. Kind of. <laughs> but easy enough to make it home. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Do you have a go-to whiskey, a go-to honey that you want to recommend? Oh, well, this, I... We should double check. I, I believe he's still in business, but uh, JVR is the name of a Krumpnik, and that's just like a Polish uh, and East East Block honey liqueur. And so oh. I use that often instead of whiskey, just because it's more fun. And okay. if I'm if I'm going to take the time to make one at home, and it's I usually, what JV Krumpnik? Uh, JVR is the is the company name. Okay. it's called Krumpnik. It's like a, okay, starts with a K. Krumpnik. Crump Nick. Crump Nick, everybody. Yeah, it's okay. a honey liqueur. Uh, <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, and that's really great. And then add honey, hot water, lemon, and you know you can you can mm-hmm. add other spices. That's that's a good one I make at home in the winter. That sounds really good. Yeah, oh I'm gonna make gosh. my Polish mom proud. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so interesting. Yeah. So we, I wanted to go back to, a little bit to talk about the Midwest drinking scene and what it was like for you. Um, do you have any special memories of your parents? And their bar or your first time drinking yourself oh, yeah. in the Midwest or maybe that's why I love dark <laughs> bars. So my father, well, and my parents uh, owned a motorcycle repair shop in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. I grew up in, um, it was a pretty urban area where we lived in. So it was his, uh, right near downtown, uh, his motorcycle shop. And then next door was a bar and it was next door to a baseball stadium. And so, <laughs> but we, our family spent a lot of time in the bar, um, <laughs> and we were allowed in the bar. Uh-huh. Most, you know, it was the time, the time period, and it was Iowa, so we would run around the bar on Saturday nights and after after work. Yeah, um, yeah. and so I'm pretty good at darts <laughs> and the and the toy claw machine. Okay, good. Yeah, okay. Oh, I'm so good at those. Oh, yeah. good to know. So okay. I think maybe that's maybe that is part of why I like dark bars. Is this a spark? Yeah. You're like, oh, wait a minute. This yeah. is why I like this. Yeah. Oh my gosh, we've got a little therapy happening, yeah. people. <laughs> Too much time involved. <laughs> like, oh, it started from a young age. Age seven. <laughs> uh, my parents would have these, I, I don't know, they seemed really major to me, but I think that they were just a casual Friday, Saturday night get together with neighbors and they okay. would, you know, get out the blender and do these grasshoppers and pink squirrels. Oh, wow. And things like that, you know, they were so, I mean, they're just so kid-friendly. They're a kid <laughs> magnet, right? Like, ooh, it's pink, and ooh, it's like mint green. Yeah. Um, and they're icy, and they're sweet. And so I just remember, and they had beautiful glassware to put these drinks in. And, you know, I was kind of off in my room because I wasn't supposed to be listening to their dirty jokes and all of this yeah. stuff. But I really remember being enamored of that. Like, oh, they're having pink squirrels and wanting to know what they were going to be drinking. Um, even though I didn't partake of them or even try to because I was a good girl, apparently. It never occurred to me to, to sneak a drink or something. But so there was a lot of that kind of cocktail stuff happening. Oh. And um, that's sort of what I remember from from being a kid in the Midwest. And then I do remember another like very kid sounding drink. Um, We were on this vacation in Wyoming and I don't, they let me in the bar with my dad and let's say a Sunday afternoon or something. And he was ordering Tootsie Rolls. And it was this very particular drink. Oh yes. Do you know this drink? Yes. And I remember wanting it so, because it smelled so much like a Tootsie Roll. Yep. And I was like, I couldn't understand why I couldn't have one. Right. And I just was like, oh, I'm dying to try this. And I do think maybe I was old enough to, you know, snag a, sn- a sip of it or something. But but I've never actually tried to make it or even looked it up since then. But it is a memory that I have as a kid. Yeah. And I think there is that, that pre-mixed shot culture, too, kind of in the, in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. The lemon drops and the... Yeah, right. Uh, all the of these birthday cake kind of thing. I don't know. Shot. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I guess uh, sweet drinks. Yeah, that's yeah. what I think of anyway. Yeah, which I I like that kind of thing. I guess. I mean, I hadn't thought about it too much either. That's we funny. are having a therapy session yeah. on the joy of drinking today. <laughs> okay. Like, huh? But now I kind of want to ex- experiment with this Tootsie Roll idea. Do you know what's in it? Have you ever had one? I maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I okay, know. well, yeah, we'll have to look it up. listeners, we're all going to be Googling things. Jello shots and Tootsie Rolls. And Hot Toddies and all of this other stuff. So, Karen, I wanted to take a minute to talk about your business. Oh, yeah. So, for those of you who have not 
picked up a copy of the book, High Proof PDX, I highly recommend you do so. And buy two or three. They're great stocking stuffers. Um, Karen's saying, hmm, maybe so. Um, they're great <laughs> stocking stuffers. It's a really fun read and um, kind of gives you a good idea into the culture of the Portland distilling scene. When did you write that? 2016, 17, something like that? 2017. It 2017. Came out. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a few distilleries that aren't in the book hoping to do a second edition. There are not oh, Jello shot recommendations in there, but we do do. Uh, <laughs> we, I wrote some uh, bar recommendations and I tried to write up bars that carry a lot of local spirits. Um, and then it's a brief history, um, recent history of distilling. So, yeah. you know. That's great. I didn't realize you're going to do a second edition. I hope so. Is that the plan? That's the plan. That's when great. Time, oh yeah. my gosh. <laughs> and so Karen, then as well, but can you talk a little bit about your business? So high, as high proof creative agency, um, tell us a little bit about how people can access you and what kinds of services you provide. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Highproofcreative.com is the URL. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Come see Look me downtown. We'll get a drink. Uh, no, but yeah, we do. Uh, it's a full service uh, marketing company for the distilling and spirits industry as well as non-alcoholic we have a few clients uh, bitters syrups basically anything you can drink will help you uh, market your product build a website we're doing some branding um yeah and we have nationwide clients and we have a team of six people so wow doing a lot of fun stuff this year yeah full service yeah. oh my gosh and karen is very humble so um you know she just started this business a year ago it's really impressive that she's got this great breadth of skill and an incredible staff it's really really impressive so if you're looking to just generally learn about how to be an incredible business person i would look to karen as well as if you've got a, a beverage that you want to get branded and you need a website all of that stuff go to karen for that um you know you want to support our females in business and um you know karen's great so and a lot of fun to hang out with too so um any last parting words karen I would love to do a ready to drink jello shot and bring it to market. So if anyone no. <laughs> if anybody wants to do that business ideas, no. <laughs> no, I would say yeah, keep keep exploring. We should keep all keep exploring what's out there to drink and, you know, not have our our heads too high up that we're not seeing all of the all of the amazing things, you know. Yeah. The lowbrow lowbrow the lowbrow low options in Portland and beyond. That's right. And listeners, yeah. please, um, you know, remember that the joy of drinking is everything from tap water to tequila. So it yeah. will cover all the bases. If you have ideas for shows that you'd like to hear about that involve drinks of any kind, please reach out, reach out to me. Um, I have the joy of drinking podcast Instagram account, and you can always reach me via email too. And that's drinkable PDX at gmail.com is a accessible email address for me and we're going to sign off for this evening because karen and i are actually going to go out and have a drink somewhere uh, karen thank you so much for being here cheers. have a good night everybody cheers thank you the joy of drinking podcast is brought to you by the toro bravo inc restaurant group serving portland since 2007 at toro bravo mediterranean exploration company tasty and alder tasty and daughters shalom y'all Bless Your Heart Burgers, and Gastronomic Society and Event Space, Plaza del Toro. For restaurant and event information, visit torobravoinc.com. Zupan's Markets, inspiring you with the best in food and wine. Local, family-owned Zupan's Markets provides a unique grocery shopping experience for Portland food lovers. Excellent products sourced locally and from around the globe with delicious chef-prepared meals for your convenience. 
on West Burnside, Southwest McAdam, and Lake Oswego. Visit ZooPants.com and sign up for your exclusive deals and promotional offers. Ringside Hospitality Group. Owned by the Peterson family for 75 years, Ringside Steakhouse has long been a Portland landmark. Famous for its steaks, world-renowned onion rings, and unsurpassed service. And now, with extended happy hours, where you can enjoy a wide array of dishes on the bar menu for half off. Visit ringsidesteakhouse.com and make a reservation today. And by Portland Food Adventures. Join right at the Fork host Chris Angeles for once-in-a-lifetime luxury food and wine vacations with his Portland chef and artisan friends in 2020. Urdaneta's Javier Canteras takes you to magical Spanish Basque Country for 10 days in April or explore beautiful and rustic western Sicily in October. Contact Chris Angeles through portlandfoodadventures.com. Hi listeners, this is Joy Church with the Joy of Drinking podcast and I am at Stephen Smith Tea Maker today and I have the pleasure of talking to two awesome people who are doing this collaborative series called Tea Drunk. I'm with head tea maker Ravi Crozen and Carl Hull of Spetzel and Speck. And Carl Hull was named Portland Monthly's Chef of the Year 2018, so of course we have to mention that. And I've had the pleasure of attending the two dinners that they have done called Tea Drunk Dinners. Uh, one was in May and the other was in November of this year. And these are really incredible experiences. And so I wanted to talk with both Ravi and Carl today about how this collaboration came about, what tea drunk means, and how all of you listeners can tune in to stay updated for the next one. So welcome, guys. Uh, Ravi, do you want to take it away and talk a little bit about what tea drunk means? Absolutely. Uh, well, thank you for having us. And uh, tea drunk itself is comes just basically a translation from Chinese, chazwe. And it's, it's sort of a feeling that um, you can attain from drinking an inordinate amount of tea. So it's not only just a, a, um, drinking a couple cups and then voila, you're tea drunk. It's not like drinking a couple beers. It's a process over maybe an hour or multiple hours of drinking anywhere from say 10, 15, 20 cups to where you really start to notice this feeling that starts to, uh, you know, starts to take hold. And it's somewhat similar to kind of getting a buzz, but there's a little bit more clarity to it. Um, and so using this kind of inspiration, you know, to get making a zero proof dinner, using this inspiration, it was kind of like, well, let's, let's think of this in a way and kind of play on this. And, uh, you, you know, Katie, our, our brand manager, uh, has known Carl for quite some time. And, uh, we've been working with Carl as a partner for food for, you know, for much longer than I've been here. And it's just been a really, um, a great pairing. So. Wow. And so, Carl, how did you get involved? So Katie got you into it, and you, had you worked with tea before? Uh, yeah, so that was uh, actually Katie and I chatted about the idea of incorporating a little bit more <clears throat> of a culinary side to, um, to the tea program and uh, kind of just came not being a tea drinker. I was kind of hesitant at first. Uh, I came in, we did, uh, met with the whole tea lab and did a full tasting um, and kind of instantly fell, felt like I was like a tea drinker. <laughs> or it was from that point, just kind of everything changed uh, as far as the idea of tea being more than just um, something that is steeped in hot water and the idea of building, um, you know, 
at Smith, the idea of building a tea is very complex and lots of different flavors. And kind of after that tasting, it was all kind of made sense to what what I do as well. And building a dish or creating something, if you were to imagine a tea blend and the salad being the same. And we kind of just ran with that and the excitement from the group when they're talking about something that they're very knowledgeable as far as like the complexity of a tea and ingredients and the sourcing and all those things, it really aligned with what I believe in as far as where I come from cooking and um, the idea behind that. And instantly we just kind of started working on some things, something that we start the dinner, uh, the dinners with the meadow butter and, uh, and bread were like kind of just the stepping or like the beginnings of, uh, of something that was so simple and the idea of it not being overpowering or, you know, complimenting in a sense. So it was just kind of, I don't, I don't know, it was a yeah, easily changed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, first bite I had was in May at the first tea drunk dinner and we had that meadow butter with baguette and it's been on my mind ever since. <laughs> I think it may be on the menu here, right, at Smith? If we do offer in. it, yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't think you can do without it at this point. Right? No, no, it, and it's really, it, it, the, the flavor balance, if you know the tea itself, it just comes through so cleanly and is expressed in all its nuance yeah. so well in that butter. With it's all like, the different flowers, yeah. yes. It's like Han Solo being trapped in the, <laughs> you know, being frozen in that, in that uh, <laughs> In, in Empire Strikes Back, you know, it's just like the perfect detail. You can see on his face, you know, exactly at that moment he was frozen. Yeah. No, it, it really to me is like it's such a it's it encapsulates so much of what we do at Smith, and it's, it's just you know having that as a launch point when we first started talking about tea drunk was you know it was right there. I was sold. I knew right away that yeah, yeah we were we were we were going to have a really wonderful yeah in, inspiring sort of creation so wow so now carl did you come up with that butter yeah yeah I and mean, so how did that start for you i mean that's just not something i would ever think of so how uh, did it come about i mean you kind of take uh take the fundamentals of what's you know the flavor profile all the, of the flavor tea. profiles of different teas and um what's most edible like you know you don't necessarily want to chew on um the red nectar tea it's not like palatable where the the wildflowers and in the meadow are you know a little bit more palatable i would say so just the idea of it being like a little bit more of a delicate tea um and i mean wildflowers and butter it's like summertime <laughs> yeah. it's like summertime i mean to you butter. it's obvious because you have this culinary background yeah. but it wasn't you know, that's obvious the hardest to question me. that yeah. people ask me is how did you think about that Right, because you just like dream it up in the it's middle just, of the night, I guess. So you're a prodigy, so there is no way to explain it. But I hope you'll you know write some of these recipes down for absolutely. We have we have some recipes uh, <laughs> oh. available um, on the okay. website or at Smith Tea. Oh, that's um, great. Okay, well everybody. So jams. So we have uh, okay. a couple different jams that we have, uh, as well as meadow butter. Um, maybe a oh. cookie recipe that we've done. Yeah, oh, there's some fun okay. stuff for sure. Well, this is the time, everybody, to make sure that you follow along with Smith Tea. Get their newsletter. So go to their website, uh, smithteamaker.com, I think. Smithtea.com. Smithtea.com. And uh, make sure to follow along on the newsletter so you can get those recipes and you can find out when the next tea drunk dinner is. But, uh, yeah, I'm so impressed by the dinner and the tea drunk part of it. I was worried that I would be 
up all night, right? Too much caffeine or something. But it is a weird thing to kind of have this drunk feeling by the end of the dinner and feel completely satiated and not be thinking about, you know, oh, I missed the glass of wine or I really wish I had a cocktail. It is a very interesting, unique thing. Um, so, Ravi, had you experienced this somewhere before, uh, before putting this together? Uh, there, I, I can probably not give you the number of times that I've been tea drunk, you know. But I, there's countless stories from being in really crazy trade shows in, in China um, with people talking at you with speakers on their chest, you know, after and barely being able to comprehend things because you're so deep in the, in the tea hole, if you will. You've kind of gone, <laughs> been drinking so much tea. And, uh, to, you know, just there's been innumerable experiences and there's really nothing like sitting around a, a table like we're doing right now and, and having that kind of feeling arise. And that can happen in a very short period of time, you know, sharing a, a traditional drinking vessel like what we're doing right now with Gaiwan um, and, and sharing that and drinking maybe two or three teas and you would notice that. So you know, the inspiration has always been there. And it's just Katie, you know, with with her m mind working that way. It's like, oh, tea drunk, what is it? Oh, it's really cool. Well, what if we do that with food? Smith has had such a long tradition well before I arrived uh, with food as being a huge part of, of what makes Stephen Smith, Stephen Smith. And, you know, just stepping into these shoes and being part of the whole uh, 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 sort of, the, the being at the, in this business and being able to now make decisions that contribute to these sort of culinary aspirations has been very rewarding and, and, and a dream come true in a lot of ways, so. Wow, that is amazing to me. So this time we had a, well, both times we had a really great salad that had so much complexity. Um, Chef, can you walk us through it a little bit? Um, people were ooing and aahing both, at both dinners over it. <laughs> um, yeah, the idea kind of uh, that salad is it's, uh, it's the same salad, but in different seasons. So you have different roots, you have, roots from the springtime which you have more like tender greens and more delicate flavors and then um, moving into the fall it's a little bit more heartier and a little bit like we had the sweet potato nuggets in there and uh, just kind of like that transition I always think of like in the beginning of the year it's the springtime and it's always like a little bit more delicate food where you move into the winter it's a little more hearty and much goes in the same sense of like the first clippings of the green tea that we had and then now we had this the last clippings just in the November dinner, correct? That's right, an autumn harvest. An yeah. autumn harvest. Yeah. Um, so the idea is of just like being inspired by each other and you know, they say one thing tea related and then how does that kind of extend into the culinary side and just kind of building that connection and just knowing it and learning from each other and being inspired by each other is uh, kind of the creativeness and drive behind a lot of the menu development but uh, the key to that salad is the hibiscus well we did one with a hibiscus granola and then we did a, uh, a spiced I think it was a chai spiced um, for the uh, for the spring one um, but kind of highlighting the granola as the the tea component and the idea of it not being totally like tea like yeah it's so unexpected yeah, yeah. Like kind of subtle notes bits and you're like oh it's tea what yeah. yeah you know so that was really interesting so we uh like a lot of the you know with the big hibiscus blend um there's black pepper in there like ginger or, sorry yeah ginger, ginger there's sarsaparilla sarsaparilla is a big driver in that yeah, as well it, and then you just have kind of these 
you know, ingredients that are built up yeah. like spices in a sense. So the idea of spicing the granola and kind of incorporating that little kind of sweet note, tea note in there. Um, yeah, and just really thinking about how we can maybe build something that's like a granola to go or something like that or incorporating mm -hmm. it into more, more of a, you know, a, val a value added side of uh, like a food part of it. Um, oh yeah, that's interesting. Okay, you guys have a lot of things in the works. Okay, Robbie, can you tell us a little bit about the tea that you chose to go with the fall salad and how it came about? It seems so special. Yeah, actually, we actually had two teas in mind. The first tea, unfortunately, uh, was uh, a, there was a bit of a bad luck in terms of weather. Uh, Claire Boyer, our, our education director, was supposed to be going to Japan to uh, be at a stay at a farm for a week, and it coincided just with one of the worst typhoons to ever hit Japan. Oh. So wow. she was supposed to be getting a nice premium uh, sencha from their freshly made, you know, like top of the line. We, we know these two brothers that make these really great senchas and that are competition level and wanted to get something from them. That didn't happen. So last minute we reached out to uh, the person that we buy our Alishan from and it's uh, four, fourth generation tea farmers, uh, female tea masters that created this beautiful hand rolled Taiwanese uh, uh, Alishan oolong using a, what's called the Qingxin cultivar that means green heart. And it's one of the most famous cultivars used in Taiwan, really works well in high elevation. And they just produce this really stunning tea that balances the floral, vegetal qualities that you kind of get. So you get that freshness of the tea leaves itself. You get this beautiful floral component and then this spicy sort of fruit note that goes with it. And it's just a delight to drink. So. Wow. Yeah, it was delicious. And so special. Yeah. And I mean, you're, if we had tea trivia night, I am inviting you because, wow, the information that you have, that you're just, it's off the, your tongue like that. I cannot uh, believe it. It's so impressive. It's kind, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's, it goes with the territory and, you know, the passion is, is, it's really about being passionate about something. And, you know, it just mirrors what Carl does, you know, with food. So, you know, and I feel honored to be pairing with someone that knows so much about food and really what he does with our ingredients. If you look at each of those menus is, you know, I, I'm I'm basically in Wayne's world bowing down what I'm saying I'm not worthy really is what it is dude. I don't know if we have to go that far yeah, it, it's, it's pretty close though, well I feel the same I mean that's yeah, yeah. off to you I really appreciate you know, and like back to like the the partnership it's just like it's become and like grown to just be this like really great like connection and teamwork and really just like working and building it together and a lot of inspiration comes out of like sitting together with all of us and you know, um, to me, there's so much, you know, this is their kind of like focus on, on the, you know, as is mine in the kitchen, there's is in, in the department of the, the tea, you know, and, um, just having that constant inspiration and just being back and forth, like, what is, what comes from this tea for you? And like, what notes do they get? And then for me to like spin off in different flavors and just kind of like, bloom or blossoms into this uh to this menu and every time it's just like oh we should do this yeah. or oh and then we have this great tea or right um yeah and i wanted to talk about the pork loin too because that was so supple and delicious um that fattiness came through that was just so lovely 
And you mentioned that this is from your brother. Is that yeah, right? So, yeah, so I did not realize yeah. there was, you know, the Yeah, so my thing. brother <laughs> is also the farmer, Alex. Uh, he raises a lot of the animals, the pigs, the chickens, and then grows a lot of our vegetables. Um, and the idea really for us is to just bring people a little bit closer to where their food comes from and the idea of just having that connection back to the tea is much like the connection that's here at Smith, the connection that they have and are building with their tea and not build, I, yeah, it's always building yeah. and connecting with more and more, but actually like being there and you know, the same as us harvesting there in the fields and um, it's really just about having that connection, I guess, and it goes, kind of coincides, yeah. you know? No, I thought that was so great and I had no idea that you had a brother, yeah. <laughs> much less that you have this collaborative thing happening with him as well, so that just is also really special. Um, and do you work with him a lot? Yeah, yeah, we're okay. business partners in Spetzel oh, and Spec so. together, yeah. So <clears throat> he not only farms, but then also works, he was here the other night uh, cooking with us. Oh, that's um, so great. Yeah, I'm so we do, a, we do a lot of events, uh, uh, all over Portland and wine country and then the addition of Park Avenue wines that we we do five nights of service Tuesday through Saturday there so right uh, wow so yeah the two of you are in cahoots all the time yeah absolutely <laughs> and um, that the hibiscus the other night with the pork loin that was really interesting I think it was so nice because it was a chilly night really you know mimicked the fall weather. Can you talk a little bit about that choice? Sure. The, the inspiration was yeah. very much that fall seasonality. Mm -hmm. Seasonality plays big with not only with, with culinary, but also with tea. There are two very distinct uh, tea seasons. You have your spring, sort of early summer, and then your fall, early winter. And those are when you're getting your best crops. Um, and it, with that, it's kind of thinking about, okay, well, what plays well? You know, what is a classic thing? Here at Stephen Smith Tea Maker, we do a lot of twists on classic sort of ideas. So the classics, you know, mold like spice apple cider and this, what, how can we make that different? How can we incorporate something that is in our product line that adds a little bit of a tweak to that? So using our big hibiscus again, it, you know, playing another role, having another say, not only in the food, but in this time with the beverage, tying it all together, creating something that, you know, people would really enjoy and, and kind of be warming to go with that spiciness and the, uh, uh, of the pork itself to kind of counterbalance that and stand up to it. So Yeah, it was really, really great. Yeah. And it was beautiful, you know, like vibrant red. Yeah. So, Robbie, what do you say to people that talk about, mm -hmm. let's say, chamomile, peppermint, this category, they say that it is not tea. Mm -hmm. What's your response to that? I would say they are correct, but <laughs> at the same time, you know, it's really about enjoyment. Mm -hmm. So, you know, tea is really loosely uh, a term that is really loosely uh, used to describe anything that's been steeped as a hot beverage using water, um, excluding coffee. So, and some people will use cascara, you know, the coffee shell or the coffee cherry right. itself um, in tea. So I actually use some of that in the brine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So we did a, the chai and uh, what is the, the husk called? Uh, cascara. Cascara. Yeah. Um, in the brine for the pork loin for that dish as well. Yeah. yeah, so there's like literally like almost anything can be called tea. So, you know, you can get stuck on terms or hung up on terms, but it's really about like how can we make create the best experience possible for our customers? And if that means using peppermint, you know, or whatever ingredient it is that we, we add to a tea, so be it. 
I like that answer. I do too. I appreciate yeah. you know you got your purists. We're like that's not tea. No. Like okay, but can we drink some anyway? Whatever well, you want to call it. You know we're we're drinking a very expensive seventy year old age Da Hong Pao, which literally you are probably the us three and a few other people in this room were the only people that ever drank this in this country. Yeah. So, you know, we are at that, that level, but at the same time, you know, we're not too good to just drinking, you know, a spiced hibiscus herbal blend that we think is delicious as well. Yeah. So, you know, right. oh, we're being spoiled today. I yeah, know, yeah, I, know. I know. I'm so happy to be here. Stuff, right? <laughs> yeah, this is so special. Uh, wow. I know. Robbie is like keeping these cups full. That's so nice of you. And then we finished the other night with a great um, house made ginger sap ice cream and it was drowned table side with a beautiful tea and of course there were a lot of oohs and ahs because and everybody was like Instagram videos, right? Because yeah. it was really lovely. Um, and that was a great finish. Um, do you have anything, either of you, to say about that? How did it come together? Was it a natural fit? Oh, <laughs> they totally. each other. <laughs> oh, I love it because we were we were talking about dessert. Yeah. And the ideas were coming. We were sitting outside. And, and Carl was like, initially he was thinking it was two desserts. And he was like, man, I don't know. That's going to be a lot to like take on and, and work through. And we were trying to, this, this turmeric blend, which we had the concept for, and we were drinking it. Yeah. And then once we got it down to just this one dessert, Carl knew exactly what it was. And I mean, I'll let him yeah, talk more about it. I mean, I, the idea of, again, you know, it not being coffee, but in this sense, you know, making the latte with, with the tea um, and having the tea latte that we pour table side and over this like warmed ginger or it's not warm but like for me I think of ginger snap as like that warming fall yeah. winter mm -hmm. um, so yeah we just made a really like classic vanilla base for the ice cream and then we steeped emirati cookies actually into the base mm -hmm. um, and then over top we did a black pepper and candied ginger streusel um, and then pouring table side and <laughs> the idea of it just kind of so being you know, and we really kind of thought, like, how can we make it look like the affogato of, like, having your latte or your espresso yeah. kind of board. Well, well done. <laughs> and the color was beautiful. Beautiful. And, the, I mean, the flavors, yeah. oh, my God. Yeah. That, yeah, it was. And then uh, the tea is called gold, Golden Light. Golden Light, that's right. Um, yeah. And we made a little uh, short Golden Light shortbread with a tea caramel in the center. Um, wow. So, such thoughtful details yeah. in every aspect. But that was a showstopper for the end of the night. You know, there had been a lot of showstoppers throughout, but it was like, ah, yeah. and it was delicious, and it was just the perfect ending. Um, so last words from either of you before we sign off. Again, listeners, be sure to follow along. Uh, Chef Carl Hall, you can find him on social media all over. Follow him on Instagram at Spitzel and Spec. Mm -hmm. And Ravi, as he mentioned, so the newsletter, you should sign up for it at Smith Tea Maker. Dot com? SmithT.com. Yep. Why can't I get it right? No, anyway, it's, it's the name. <laughs> it throws it off. Yeah. <laughs> Pay attention yeah. to what Robbie said. Um, last words from, from either of you before we sign off. Um, I would just say that I've been so grateful to have worked for Carl, with Carl and with both these tea drunk dinners. And it's an inspiration. And I've learned quite a bit, you know, just coming into this role and seeing, you know, how much culinary plays a role at Smith. And it's yeah. been a, a really wonderful learning curve and a, a, a delight to try everything that I can. I'm vegetarian, so I don't get to eat everything, but everything that I've yeah, eaten is just always so, so amazing. So, and the last thing I would like to say too, though, is, is that golden light mixed with the, you know, the, the affogato to create that affogato. That was the concept. It was like not to add another uh, food 
pairing and that with, paired with the beverage. It was kind of like let's put the two together yep. and yeah. that last truly tying yeah. it together. Yeah. Yeah. Truly tying it together. Yeah, absolutely. No, but it, that those are my last words, and uh, I stand. Well, I mean, it's been it's been great to work with you, and super excited for uh, for the future of what uh, you know building more of these tea drunks and uh, looking forward to a spring springtime uh, collab coming up soon. Most certainly. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Thanks to both of you for being on the podcast today. And everybody, seriously, do follow along because you really don't want to miss these dinners. I'm already excited for the spring one, and I was just at one a couple nights ago. Um, they are very special. Tea drunk is an interesting phrase, and you really once you experience it, you really do begin to understand it. And you can see how incredibly well um, the culinary side and the tea side, how those things really do. They're match made in heaven, actually. Um, so please follow along with both of these guys and thanks again for being here thank you joy thank you the joy of drinking podcast is produced by joy church executive produced by chris angeles and court johnson in association with right at the fork